Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 95, and it is that time of year again. We talked about this last year, and we are nearing the two-year anniversary. It'll be it'll be two years this Thursday that the first pod dropped on a pen and a napkin dick. I, I can't believe it's been two years. Oh my goodness, I can't either, and so many great episodes. Man, I, I just love listening to all the things that these other coaches have to say about basketball, and Marty, you're doing a, a fantastic, wonderful thing for the profession. Well, I, I appreciate it, and you know the, the listeners that have been here for a while know that uh, once a year, we're just going to do this around this time of year, and we're like I said, we're hitting the anniversary this week. So it is the man, the myth, the legend, Dick Jungers, back on. You you know, Rocky Three doesn't hold a, a, a candle to Dick Jungers Volume Three on a pen and a napkin, or The Godfather Part Three, or Return of the Jedi, or any other third of the trilogies that you may have. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, that might be something to debate. We'll see how things go over the next hour or so. So, uh, but well, before, oh, go ahead. Can I, can I pause here for a second? I got to pull some boots on here because it's, it's getting kind of deep and thick <laughs> in here. But, but uh, holy smokes. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's see. Like I said, let's see how things go over the next hour or so. so but uh, before we get going with Coach Jungers, we, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Cosac Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at CosacChiro.com or give them a call at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening on iTunes, download, rate, and review. Give us five stars so that we can get the word out, gain momentum in the ratings, so that we can help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin.com. Or, shoot, not a pen and a napkin.com, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. What am I talking about here? You could tell. You could tell. I drove over a thousand miles this weekend, Coach. It's. It's. I'm. Uh, I'm starting to lose it a little bit already. But uh, I'll bounce it, back. You know what? It's. You know, eight o'clock in the evening. If that's the first mistake you made today, <laughs> your your perfect streak is still good with me. <laughs> I, I. I. We. We. We had no mistakes on the road. Uh, we got out of Chicago uh, pretty easily. Uh, my daughter had a wonderful time at, at the concert, uh, last night, uh, the Harry Styles concert in Chicago, uh, tears, tears fell apparently, a lot of screaming, didn't have much of a voice left afterwards. So, you know, I'm a happy, if, if she's happy, I'm a happy dad today. So that's all that matters. You know what? That, that is a wonderful thing. That's just a wonderful thing right there. Yes. Speaking of daughters. Uh, Dick, you had a, a different perspective. I, I know you've coached Kiera before, but not officially, per se, until this last season. And now, you know, your your daughter is, is part of your varsity team. Uh, she was in your rotation, played some pretty significant minutes for you. Uh, what, you know, you've, you've coached for a long, long time. Uh, we both have. What was that, you know, how was that experience this year different 
uh, when I wasn't she number thirty four? I believe I'm going by memory here. Um, yes. Yeah, she was number thirty four. What was that experience like for you? You know, being lucky enough to win a, a state title again this year, but now this time your daughter's there. But I'm guessing there were probably a few ups and downs as you went through the process as well. You know, uh, one thing I've always been good at, and, uh, and and she's very good at this too. You know, what happens in the gym stays in the gym. Um, when you come home for supper, you know, we don't even bring it up. Mm-hmm. You know, if, uh, if I have to get on her about something or, you know, if she's frustrated with something, you know, uh, we really do a good job of separating player and coach from dad and daughter. And mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest trick is establishing um, those boundaries. And, and you know, uh, Kira and I, uh, we, we've done a lot of workouts together over the years. Uh, of course, she's a pitcher on the softball team mm-hmm. um, as well. So, uh, we spent a lot of time working on pitching and um, spent a lot of time working on basketball and volleyball and all the things that she loves to do. And uh, it's just been joyous and a treat because the things that I'm passionate about, she's passionate about too. So mm-hmm. um, I've been really blessed uh, with with her and her passions. Yeah. How, uh, how nerve-wracking was it to watch her pitch in the state tournament? this year and and kind of you know i know she was kind of uh her eighth grade year she was she pitched some varsity but she wasn't kind of the the number one the ace and uh and uh this year you know she was the the beyond number one i mean awesome awesome honor for her from the sioux city journal player of the year that type of thing uh but that had to be different because at least when you're coaching her in basketball you have a little bit of control over the situation you're so worried about so many things that uh you don't really think about how nervous you get once the ball goes up, uh, but it had to be a little bit of a different perspective. Just sitting in the in the bleachers or sitting in the lawn chairs or whatever, watching her in the circle this summer. Oh, and you nailed it. And and you know the the tough thing is, you know, when when you coach like you and I have for so many years, it, it's tough to be a fan uh, because like you're you're thinking about the strategy, you're thinking about which pitch should be called or. Um, you're thinking about, uh, you know, is she going to hit the spot like she's supposed to? And and it is. It's a whole different experience. Um, to be honest with you, during a softball game, very rarely do I sit around many people because I kind of like to just absorb it all in. Being mm-hmm. a former softball coach, I like to watch the the fielder shift or I like to watch the, the batters as they approach the batter's box to see if they're tipping off where they want to, you know, stand and whatnot. And all those things just it's nerve wracking as a dad. And, um, and, you know, with dealing with Kira and softball, I, again, I'm, I'm just a dad. I don't coach. Um, we'll do workouts together and we'll talk about a few things at workouts, but, um, very rarely do we actually talk strategy or things like that. I let the, I let the coaches take care of that. I'm just dad, but I'm a nervous dad yeah. when she's on the mound. But, um, she is way more calm than I would have ever been. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I think that's a testament to her training, the, the stuff that, that you've... Because I, I know, I mean, she's getting up early two or three mornings a week to, to work on her pitching, and, and, I mean, she's really dedicated to her craft. And so, uh, you know, she is ready for those big moments because I'm sure she's visualized those, uh, visualized those type of things uh, many, many times. 
in those early morning workouts. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Have you guys talked about those type of things? Oh yeah, we we talk about you know your mind frame. You know what what you should really be thinking about. You know, instead of worrying about if the batter is going to hit the ball or not, is you focus on hitting a spot or you focus on the next pitch. If something bad happens, you can't change it anyway. It's the next pitch. And, and you know, I think the other thing um, that's been, really benefited Kira and Trey as well, so, you know, when they were from a little, and, and you remember this when your kids were little too, yep. they had to come to a lot of ball games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, and Trey and Kira have older older siblings that played um, that they, they came to so many games and stuff. So they were just excited and wait for their turn to, to have a crack at her. And, uh, um, you know, it, it just, it's just been uh, a, a great, great experience for the Juggers family. Absolutely. Well, speaking of great experiences, uh, I mean, you guys, you get to cut down the nets again, a, a little bit differently than you have before you, uh, you went off like to an off-site place and, and cut down the nets instead of cutting it down in Wells Fargo or something like that. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, but this year's journey was different. Um, you know, the last couple of years, your uh, it, it's been basically you and, and Algona Garrigan uh, have, have been far and away the two best teams in your class. And you had the, you know, last on last year's podcast, we talked about the miracle comeback that you had in, in the title game. Um, and then this this past season, uh, the journey was different because you played them in the regular season, and and they kind of took you behind the woodshed uh, when you guys played them, and it was pretty early in the year. I want to say early to mid December when you guys played yep. them. So kind of talk about that first game, and and what happened that first game, and then kind of how did you and your coaching staff use that because that was the first game you had lost in like 60 some games or so somewhere around that and just just kind of describe how that early season loss kind of affected your your season and and what you guys you know may or may not have done you know and you you bring up some you know a some painful memories (laughs) (laughs) but uh some wonderful memories too uh you know when we uh when we fell short against Garrigan, we were up um, in, the, in their gym, and I think it was, you know, it was a one-point game, three-point game, five-point game um, for most of the first half, um, kind of back and forth, um, and their defense really bottled us up um, in the second half, and um, and then just snowballed on us. Uh, you know, we had no answer for Audie Crooks, and they had uh, Molly Joyce had a, a great night that night, and um, Caitlin Myers had a great night for him. So their three best players had great games against us that night, and mm-hmm. um, some of it was because we were missing some rotation. Some of it was um, they were just you know superior on those plays where you just sometimes just tip your hat like, oh, that was just a better play. We didn't defend that um, perfectly, and they made a better play, and, um, and, and our turnovers were a little bit high that night as well and so um talking about that game after that game to the players is you know you got to embrace that moment and just say you know if you guys want to achieve your goals this year we're gonna have to figure out a way to how to beat these guys Mm -hmm. and uh um you know throughout we of course we had to make some adjustments on some of the things that we had to do to make it tougher on them but uh at the end of the day that night 
they were lights out. They were the better team that night, and uh, we had to come back with some answers. And, you know, on a side note, we were also playing some younger kids that um, I knew that they would have to contribute to make us as good as we can be, and and uh, they had to be put in that fire too. So um, throughout the course of the season, those kids grew and got better, and the whole team got better. And uh, we were a much different team in February and March than we were in November and December. And if you're doing things right, your team should look a lot different in February and March than they do in November and December, no matter where you're at. Yeah, and you're talking about playing those young kids early in the season, and I'm sure it had to be a, a packed gym, a heck of environment. It was probably just bonkers, just exactly what you want out of a high school game. Uh, but that's an adjustment for those kids, and and I'm sure they probably learned a lot from it. Is that kind of what happened? You know, absolutely. You know, when uh, you know, anytime you have, you know, and we have a lot of we had a lot of freshmen sophomores playing in that game, making key plays and key minutes and um you know long story short is until you get put in those fires uh you know you can go to an aau event on a weekend or you can be in an eighth grade tournament where uh, or an eighth grade game where there's you know 70 80 people watching Mm -hmm. but it's it's different when you're at that level and you kind of know the whole state's kind of keeping an eye on that like that's going to be a marquee matchup and um and the kids kind of feel that as coaches and parents and fans, you feel that too, uh, but you embrace those uh, those opportunities. So, did you, uh, you know, after that after that game, you you, you took a look at the film. Uh, you know, you're not going to obviously you're not going to adjust much to what you do. But was there one or two? And you don't have to tell us what they were. Uh, but was there one or two s- subtle adjustments that? You kind of said, okay, here's, you know, I could see us, you know, we're, we're, we got a good chance of seeing these guys again. Here's one or two things that we might think about doing a little bit differently. Uh, we, we thought it would work this time, but it didn't. And we're going to kind of subtly work on those things without the players knowing that we're kind of working on those things. Or was it just, okay, we've learned our lesson. Now we move on to Team X on, on Tuesday night. You know, uh, when you play a good team, they expose flaws and weaknesses, mm-hmm. and that's what Bishop Garrigan did that night. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we were attacking a 2-3 zone, um, you know what? It may work against, you know, other teams' 2-3 zones. It didn't work against Garrigan, so we had to we had to adjust our attack accordingly. Um, you know, and it, I had to watch that game tape a lot of times to really find um, – you know, some solutions to what, where we could get some better looks. You know, they were getting a hand in our face on shots. I mean, we didn't have very many clean looks. They got a 6'3 girl in the middle that can move and mm-hmm. um, shut down a defense, um, take away a lot of the interior shots. And so if you're going to just, you know, be content with, you know, shooting contested jumpers all night, you, well, you just know it's not going to be a good shooting night. So we, we had to tweak some things on the offensive side to get us some better looks put in a few new um, wrinkles to our offenses that were, um, you know, well within the skill set of our kids. And mm-hmm. then uh, defensively, I'm just telling you, six with the she, Audie Kirk's going to lay up any time against our defense because we don't have, you know, we don't have people that can match up with her 
um, one-on-one. And yeah. um, so we had to, you know, adjust some of the things that we did on defense to play more to our strengths. And, uh, and you know what? Some of those things shown out in the, in the championship game. And, you know, on that particular night, we shot the ball a lot better and more mm-hmm. shots went down and um, it played into our favor on that particular night. But you and I both know, on any given night, um, if some of the things you need to happen don't happen, the other team has the edge. And if, if you knock down a few extra shots, all of a sudden your team has the edge. And, yeah. and I, I really feel that that's what happened on um, the championship game night. But but our kids were really hungry. I mean, they were focused. Um, I, I'm just going to tell you, every practice from that loss all the way through the championship game, our kids came to practice every night hungry, Um wanting to work harder, wanting to make sure that they were getting better and making sure that um, this team would become the best team it could be. Yeah. Did you kind of have a feeling going into the title game that, hey, I, I just feel good about my group, that uh, we might we might get beat again, but, man, I, I, I feel like kind of the mojo's on our side and we've been here and, and this is this is kind of our... This is our place. This is this is this is where we really excel, and it's time for us to kind of cap this off because it looked like to me, you guys just had that that proverbial, you know, we're just playing our best ball at the at the right time of the season, and it just it just you know hit that exclamation point um, that night. Well, I first of all want to you know tip my hat to my five seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to tell you on that tournament trail. If you go to our last regular season game, um, and, and, you know, you, when you start playing at a certain level, you just know, like, holy smokes, these guys are just going to take us on our back and go up another level. And um, from the last regular season game to our regional final, like, this, this team was, like, hitting on all cylinders, and um, they didn't care who scored. They don't care this, that. They played hard. They just got after people. And we just kept inching up, getting better, getting better. In that regional final, we, you know, we beat a very good team from Cam, you know, and it, it was decided by halftime. Um, I mean, they just they just have that extra gear that most teams don't have. We we just had an extra gear. Like these kids, they they didn't care what the scoreboard. They were gonna they were gonna if you if you couldn't hang, they were just gonna go out and you know take it to you. And then we go the first round. Um, at state, and we play another very good Kingsley Pearson team, mm-hmm. and uh, they they played dynamite all year long. And um, shoot, we uh, we we stepped it up another level. Then we played Montezuma, who was um, I believe they were undefeated yeah, they and were, they, had, they a had a great year. year. Yeah, and uh, a very very good team. But like uh, we matched up, and our kids uh, they were playing at another level. Um, and then that championship game, our kids even stepped up one more level. Like I. I came. Words came and described how these guys came ready, and they were just like, "We're gonna, we're gonna just keep getting better." And um, and you know, the 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 defensiveness. These guys like love playing defense. I mean, everybody likes to shoot, but I think these guys like like to play defense even more than they like to play offense. You know, and um, it's just a. And that's why I just tip my hat to those seniors. And uh, that senior group only lost two basketball games in their career, and. After they lost to Garrigan um, last year in December, I think they just said, you know what, we just can't let this happen again. And um, they, they took it upon themselves to make play after play. And 
uh, were great role models and teachers. They embraced the youth. They understood that sometimes they have to give up minutes to make sure other players are getting better. And um, and I guess the rest is history. I I, I can't even wholly describe it. I mean, yeah. I put that game film in. It's like, holy smokes, we were just playing at a whole different level that night. And mm-hmm. um, just something special to see. How much of that, Dick, is nature versus nurture? You know, I mean, with just that, was that just, man, that was just those kids and you just kind of stepped back and and you really didn't have to teach culture and, you know, all of those buzzwords? Or, you know, how much time do you guys conscientiously spend building that type of attitude within your program? And and what are, if, if... well, let me, we'll start. We'll start with that question. You know, nature versus nurture. You know, I think uh, I think both are so important. You know, how you build your culture. Um, you know, the, the nature part. You you have to have the the horses in the race, and you have to have them understand that um, giving your best effort is the only way to go. And I don't care if you know if on a scale of one to 10, if you're a level three player type, not as long as you give your best effort. Um, and that's what you can give. Um, you're going to make this team better. And if, uh, you know, if you're a, a 10 and you're only given a three effort, this team won't ever be as good as it can be. And, um, our kids, our kids understand that I see it in weights and agilities. I see it in our open gyms. I see it every night in practice. And what a lot of people don't realize is like, we have, so many good athletes in our practices right now that um, sometimes our best um, competition is coming in practice, and these guys they just they just hate to lose. They just refuse to back down. They just they just go out and give it their all, and and yet they're still capable of helping the younger kids learn. Um, you know, they they talk to them through situations in a way that is positive and productive, and and that's not. That's, that's not an easy culture to create. Um, I mean, we've all had teams where there's powders, and, you know, and I always tell the kids, if you pout, you can't play at a high level. So if you're pout, you might as well sub yourself out because uh, we'll play the kids that are ready to play, and um, you eliminate the pouting in your culture, and all of a sudden um, kids are playing at a higher level. And um, so I think there's, there's a, a good mix of both on that nature versus nurture. And, um and these kids know what they want, and they don't always know how to get there. And that's where you just emphasize those things. And, and I'll call – I think I've told you this before on some of these podcasts um, where, you know, there's two things that kids always have to give, you know, their, their best effort and their best attitude. And, and I'll call you out if your attitude or your effort's not where it needs to be. The skills and knowledge, I'll help you get those. But you have to bring the best effort and best attitude – and this program, um, the groups of girls that we've had going through these last few years, years, that's exactly what they're doing. They're giving us their best effort and their best attitude, and we just keep getting better. And um, you know, and I and I create the practice where we're just always working on skills and knowledge. And mm-hmm. um, holy smokes, it's it's been just a beautiful ride. Yeah. How much? So, what are what are some? If, if you don't mind sharing. Uh, what are some things that you've done? You know, you said, you know, it's probably a 50-50 thing. You, you've just got great kids from great families, but you've also nurtured some of that too. So what are some ways that you guys at, at New Old Fonda kind of nurture 
that that attitude. And and not everybody, you know, only one team is going to cut down the nets. Uh, that's just yeah. the way the game works. But you can have that great experience every year, and you can have that vibe, or you can work towards that vibe. So uh, let's say you're a coach, uh, Dick, who, uh, you know, we've got some talent, but, man, we're just struggling with that chemistry thing. What are what are two or three things that you can give a, a coach that, that you've done, that you guys have done within your program to build that, uh, you know, that nurturing part of it where you guys have, have helped establish that and taken advantage of great nature, but you've also nurtured that along as well. How, how have you guys built that? You know, and I think, I think, you know, one thing that I think is so important is when you have your goals conversation and, and, and if, if coaches aren't having goals set by players, um, they should, and then, then you have a follow-up conversation about the goals. So uh, what we do is three team goals, three individual goals, and then what are you going to do to meet those goals? So those are the, the seven things that we talk about at our you know preseason meeting. And, I, of course, the team goals are always first because that's the important ones. You know, if, uh, if your individual goal is to be the highest-scoring player in the state of Iowa and that trumps your team goal – um, other players might not be um, privy to that. You know, they may not think that that's very important. Like, they don't care um, if someone else is averaging 38 points a game or whatever. They want you want to get your team to understand that the best thing we want to do as a team is to achieve more together. Mm-hmm. So those conversations are so important to frame those in, and then uh, the ongoing conversations after that meeting because uh, um, you know. Sometimes kids get worried about things that aren't important. Like, you know, like, for example, playing time is important, but in the team scheme of things, as long as somebody else is coming in and giving great effort, you know, I I can ask kids every night of practice, hey, who'd like to play more? Well, shoot, everybody in the gym's hands go up, you know, and um, everybody wants to play more. Uh, But sometimes we have to learn to accept that, and those are the conversations where um, my job as a coach is to help them understand that, you know, and, and like, like scouting, we all scout and some nights, you know, if the matchup might be favorable for an individual player uh, to play more. And the next night it might not be favorable to have that player play more that somebody else would step in and play more. And I have those ongoing conversations um, almost daily through practices and stuff like just to make you aware that, Hey, on certain nights, you know, we might need your, great three-point shooting, uh, but I might need somebody else's speed and quickness to uh, make our press more effective. Mm -hmm. And those are conversations I have with kids um, to help with that. But it always ties back to the team goals. Um, You know, I do tell the kids a lot, I don't care who scores what points. That's not something that's ever been important to me um, as a coach, uh, but we want to make sure our team is always successful. So, you know, we preach the extra pass and we practice those situations so that kids know what it should look like on game night. Um, so I think that's, that's just very, very important. And uh, I don't like to surprise kids. So, like, if, if you were yeah. um, in our main rotation then all of a sudden some night you're not in the main rotation, uh, I always try to have those conversations ahead of time to just make sure that everybody's on the same page. So, I, I, I don't think... know if that kind of... Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was just gonna say, I, I I think that's always really important that 
it's easy to promote a kid and give a kid more minutes. You need to have those hard conversations when you are decreasing a kid's minutes. I, I know when, uh, when you have to make a change to the starting lineup, especially if it's a kid who started X amount of games in a row or has been a pretty consistent ch- starter and you decide to make a change, um, I think that's a private conversation that you have and, and you know, you hope that the kid takes it well. Uh, sometimes they're not and you have to go into that expecting that they're not, you know, uh, or, or there's a possibility of that. And, uh, you, you just, you just have to be wary of, of that kid's feelings and you're still going to need something out of, if, if that kid has started for you for, you know, X amount of time, you're still going to need that, that player. And so I think it's just out of respect for that player that you say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to put in Jimmy tomorrow night in, instead of you, but we're going to need you going, you know, we're going to need, and you don't need a long drawn out, you know, manifesto of why Jimmy's starting and Bobby isn't. But I, I do think it's important that you're honest and, and be ready for questions if they have any and, and, and that type of thing. I, I'm assuming that's probably the way you kind of handle it as well. Well, absolutely. And, and, you know, like to me, uh, the big thing is your scouting might dictate that. Yeah. Um, and so, if you're very thorough, and I'm very thorough scouting, I, I love to watch three or four game films on other teams if possible, um, just to really figure out um, what they're what they're strong at and not strong at, and where we can gain an edge. And um, and I just know having those conversations ahead of time, you know, and I'll, and I'll talk to them. I'll pull them aside in practice just real quick, like, hey, um, tomorrow night I might need. Uh, someone a little bit taller inside or I might need a little bit of quicker guard to match up with their quick lineup um, that minutes could change. And then sometimes even on the bench during the game, I'll even have a conversation like, hey, man, uh, you know, Patty's a better matchup tonight than um, on this particular player. and She might get a few more minutes, um, mm-hmm. you know. And, of course, uh, with our program, we do play deep most nights. Um you know, a lot of times we, we have an eight-person rotation. Some Like last year, uh, we were so deep that we actually played a, a ten-player rotation at times. And um, in our state championship game last year, we played 12 different players in the first half. Part of that was foul trouble, but another thing was the types of rotations we were looking for um, to go against Bishop Gerrigan. And, mm-hmm. and I know not every team can do that. They don't feel comfortable doing that. But with the depth in our program, uh, we felt like that was – our best chance of winning. Yeah. Speaking of winning, you know, how how much easier is it for you to go down to the junior high level or the elementary level? And and you guys have got a great tradition at New Fonda, boys and girls basketball, along with other sports. Uh, but, you know, how much easier does it make for you to be able to sell your vision to those up and coming players because of the winning that you that you've had, you know, you know how much how much easier is it for your winning to lead to more winning uh, as you move forward and as you develop your program? You know, I think uh, you know there's a there's a couple trains of thought here. Um, first of all, with winning, there there is pressure that goes with it. Like, sure. gosh, I don't want to be the group that doesn't take care of business. You mm-hmm. know, and um, some kids love that kind of shine and other kids shy away from it so there, there is both there um but i think one thing that our small school that we're able to do like for example 
Um, you know, I'll be getting up tomorrow morning to do some weights and agilities with the kids, and uh, we invite 7th through 12th graders. Well, um, our high school kids are partnering up with the junior high kids to help show technique, and they get to know them, and, and all of a sudden um, they feel very comfortable with those groups of kids. And um, when you have, you know, we'll probably have around 30 to 32 kids tomorrow at our weights and agilities and those kids are starting to see like gosh boy those high school kids really work hard um it helps them to work hard so like that that is something that is just uh unbelievably um great to have in your program and the second thing is when, when we do camps and clinics uh our high school girls they are phenomenal with training kids um teaching them things as well as the most important things the social the the respect, like, hey, I was in your shoes once too. You don't have to be perfect in seventh grade. You don't have to be perfect in high. You don't have to be perfect as a senior. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just going to just work to get better and do things the best we can. And uh, it really puts kids' minds at ease. You know that concept of perfection or that concept of um, this is what you absolutely have to do to beat somebody else. Um, it, it doesn't really work like that. As long as you're giving your best effort and you have a good attitude. Um, success just naturally comes to people that are built that way, and um, and that's what we really instill in our program. Yeah. A pen and a napkin university is offering you, our listeners, a great opportunity to learn more about coaching above and beyond the a pen and a napkin universe. In our video series detailing personal growth and development, you can purchase videos on topics like interviewing for a job, basketball analytics, and fundraising and social media. Go to a pen and a napkin dot com and follow the links to order. Videos are $10 a piece, or you can get the bundle for $50. That's less than $8 a video. Along with that, we'll be dropping in new videos with our latest this week on half-court defense. Listeners, go check out the Appendant and Napkin University video library. Dick, I know that uh, one of the things that you minored in, I believe, at the Harvard, well, Briarcliff's the Harvard of the Heartland. We'll call it... Uh, oh, careful, careful. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the Pennsylvania, the, the, the pen of the plains. How about that? So, <laughs> so I, I'm just thinking about a couple of nights where you and I and your brother had some enjoyable times on the campus there at storm lake iowa uh but anyway absolutely uh i digress um but i i know you you did a lot of study with with psychology and and that's something that you're really really good at um what are some key pointers that you can give the folks listening to this about just the psychology of the game and and how you uh, build up your players, uh, how you communicate. And we kind of talked about communication, you know, when you're talking about taking a kid out of the lineup or making some changes there. Uh, but your your kids just seem like they they play free, they play with confidence, they don't seem like they do. Um, but, but part of that message has to come from you. Like uh, the couple of times that I've seen your kids play live, they're never looking over at the bench. Uh, they're, they're just out there going, uh, how do you build that confidence in your players and, and, and how do you coach the mind as much as you're coaching the body when you're, when you're talking, when, when you're working with your team and developing your program? You know, uh, I think, uh, first and foremost is getting, um, kids to truly understand and believe in, in their God given talents and abilities, um, 
you know, if you put a lot of time into something and you truly focus on getting just a little bit better each day and you focus on having the, the right mind frame, the right attitude, uh, you know, I'll, I'll call kids out. I, you know, I'll say things like, um, if you're pouting, you can't play. I, you know, I'll, I'll stub you out in a practice if you're pouting. Um, if you have bad body language, your body language, if your body language is negative, you can't play at a high level. Um, and, you know, when you watch any college or pro event, you'll see that sometimes where a player, I call it pouting, where they're feeling sorry for themselves and stuff. How can you play at a high level um, if you're not feeling good about yourself? So um, we, we talk about that. And, uh, and, and, again, when I see it, I call them out on it. Um, and, you know, we give somebody else a chance. And, and sometimes when I let kids just to go, you know, I go get a quick drink, go walk down to the water fountain. When you come back in the gym, I expect you to forget about whatever problems you had before. Um, I think that's a big thing. And, and I think another very important concept is, as a coach, how do you handle the mistakes? Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, shoot. Sometimes as coaches, we want it to be perfect, and we even use the word perfection. Uh, that's not a, I don't think that's a good thing because as soon as you make a mistake, you know you're not perfect, and so then it a lot of times leads to other things. So, you know, uh, when kids make mistakes, how you handle that as a coach helps drive your program. Um, you know, and, and you know, I, I truly believe that in our drill work, uh, we don't do a lot of extra conditioning through running or punishing. We just work on the skills. Like if you have a hard time with your left hand on a wraparound pass into the post, um, I'm not going to run you for it. We're just going to do a lot more reps with you uh, until you do get it right. Um, and that helps build confidence. Um, same with shooting. You know, if a uh, kid's struggling with making layups, you know what? Looks like we have to work on that footwork and, um, and, the proof is in the pudding, you know, that the kids get more reps in that area and all of a sudden it's like, gosh, they feel more confident in that area, uh, you know, and, and having your teammates, you know, not get down on players when they make a mistake that, hey, you know what, our defense will make up for that turnover by playing hard and getting back on defense. And, and so those are things that I emphasize in our program. I know that definitely helps the mind frame. And then uh, the, the last thing I'd probably highlight there is, you know, every, and you can even think back to how your last season, uh, maybe some things that tormented you in the last game of your season where maybe you fell short. Um, put your kids in that situation through practices so that they're ready for those situations. And, and again, um, I, I always highlight things that they can control, like, well, where was your effort level? Did you get back? Uh, if it's a skill or knowledge thing, it's on me as a coach. If it's an effort attitude thing, that's on the player. Um, so I'll call you out if it's an effort or attitude thing. But if it's a skill or knowledge thing, I always say I didn't teach it good enough. And and, and our kids thrive with that mindset. Like um, they understand that you know what if if coach didn't prepare me skill or knowledge, he'll take he'll take that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that that's really good with the players and and their psyche. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that reaction to mistakes, because how many times, and I know, Dick, especially when I was younger, we dropped this play, we've worked on this play, we run the play, and then Mary screws up the back screen. And, you're, you know, you see yourself on film and you're like, oh, God, and you're, you're making this demonstrative, um, you know, statement on the sideline. 
and the kids see that, and then they start thinking about, oh my God, I made Coach so mad that it looked like he was going to have a heart attack, and you know those type of things. And and then the players sitting on the bench go, well, God, I don't want to screw up because, you know, look what happened, you know. And so that all kind of snowballs, snowballs, and I think that's uh, something that I've really tried to work hard at. That, that's it's hard for me to not react that way because I do have high, high expectations and standards. But it's almost like you're you're coaching yourself in that scenario, aren't you, Dick? It, it, you nailed it. it it's kind of, it's kind of funny because uh, oh, we do a drill called layup chasers where you know we'll put two minutes on the clock. Um, you start you know, maybe two feet ahead of the end line, and I have the second person. When you take off, you take off, and mm-hmm. someone's chasing you to make a layup. The kids don't like that drill because it's two minutes, like you're busting your tail to try to make a layup. And if you miss your layup, you, you get some extra um, conditioning. And if you make your layup, the defender has some extra conditioning. So anyway, um, we go into a game, miss a, a transition layup, and the kids on the bench are like, oh, no, that means we're going to have <laughs> layup chasers tomorrow. Man, what? come on, finish that, you know. And, uh, uh, but, like, that, that's the psych. That's, that's, that's how my mind works. Or, you know, if uh, someone throws uh, I call the, the flex cut top-to-top pass, um, you know, it's that throwing a, a pass from the top of the, the one side of the free throw line to the other. And if you, those end up being a lot of times the, the pick six passes. Mm-hmm. Well, they know that we'll go into some extra passing drills if we throw um, one of those on a on a game night where someone gets a picks off a passer. So I, um, those are the types of things that like the kids just know. Oh, we're going to be doing that drill again. Oh, and that's the drill I just don't like. Yeah. Well, when they're doing that flex pass from top to top, just have them throw it to the corner. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think we are. I don't think we are. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's there's, exactly right. There, there's that's 15 seconds of this podcast that only you and I get, and you know that's okay. We'll we'll, we'll donate the rest of it to everybody else. But that was our little 15, 20 seconds of of inside jokes. So I, I'm just going to tip tip my cap to you right now. Just tip my hat to you on that one. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm taking a bow in the a pen and a napkin studio. So, um, you know, you 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 hit uh, some some awesome milestones this year. Uh, 400, and I'm so proud of you as a friend, as knowing you for 25, 30 years, uh, if well, longer than that, 30, 35 years, whatever the number is. Uh, 400 wins, uh, state coach of the year. Uh, even the number 19 coach of the century, according to, uh, oh, uh what it was, it was a KCAU or which one was it up in Sioux city? Uh, uh K-Meg. K-Meg, Yeah. Uh, you know, what's left, man. I mean, uh, I mean, you're, you're starting to put together some stuff here that, that, uh, Dick, you're going to have one of these, these all time resumes. What, what, what keeps the fire in the belly going? Well, you know, when you do it right, you're really only competing against yourself. You know, like, you, you, you feel like, I think I can do this better. I think I can do that better. I can, um, and, and you think about over the course of your career, and, you know, both of I have been, you and I have been coaching, you know, probably almost 30 years now and all the different things that we've been a part of. Um, 
you, you start meeting those challenges like, uh, you know, can I, can I get the girls to do this well and we win doing something fundamentally way different? You know, like, for example, uh, you know, oh, I'm going to throw this one out there. We're traditionally a motion team, and I start putting more sets in. Can we, can we win with not just the main part of the set, but can you get the kids to read that when they take this away, that you can find this in that set. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I motivate myself that way, too. And, um, you know, I've had some really great guards over the years, but um, now I've got some post players coming up that are potentially be very good, so I'm going to change some offensive things. Those things challenge me. Um, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't really worry about the – the recognitions or acknowledgements. Yeah, I, I just want to make sure that I know you don't. I, I just want to make sure that our kids are prepared at a high level to do what they love. Because um, at Newell Fonda, our girls love their basketball. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and yeah, and and I I brought those numbers up. Just not. I I know you don't care, uh, but you know it it is. You know you get you get into the career x amount of years, and it's just. Sometimes it's it's a little harder from certain seasons to the next to to bring that energy that you need to bring that you know you need to bring, and and there is you you have to bring it because if if you don't you're shortchanging your team you're shortchanging those kids and this is that addition of of those kids uh, that's their one chance as that group so you cannot fake it you've got to bring it and you've got to find that motivation and and if and if you can't if you don't have that motivation then then you need to step away and that's where i was at a few years ago where i just couldn't bring it at the level that i was bringing it at before and and i needed some time away and now i feel like i'm ready to to give that for the second the second act here so to speak and and but it it can be a challenge to find that energy on a on a year in year out basis at at times don't you don't you think that dick you know and i think and that's where like Every situation's just different, but mm-hmm. like you're absolutely right. Uh, I do have the energy and the fire, and um, you know, uh, Coach Larson swung by the other night, and you know, we wanted to we wanted to watch one of the state games from you know the last couple of years, and mm-hmm. um, they just get you fired up, you know. And you know, we just got we just finished up with open gym tonight, and um, watching those. 18 kids just play and get after each other. It just, it just gets me fired up. And, um, when you, uh, when you absolutely love what you're doing, it just doesn't feel like work. Like basketball is not work to me. Uh, you know, and if you gave me said, Hey, I need you to break down these 10 game films this weekend. Like to me, that's not work. You know, work is, um, putting shingles on a house or, um, you know, throwing bales of hay into the barn or something. That's work. But like this is play and a hobby and, it's easy for me to to be fired up about that. Well, go go slap some hogs with Fred for an hour or two, and and then tell tell me what what would be better, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that, that's exactly why I'm coaching basketball. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what, uh, the, the the farm chores and all that stuff that. That was not my cup of tea. <laughs> no, no. Well, hey, I went out there a few times. And I went out there for the free steak to help out. But... Yeah, well, 
you 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 always had to earn that though, didn't you? Oh, absolutely, a thousand a thousand percent. But it tasted good. But, you at know, the, I, at I the remember end. sometimes we're throwing bales up in the hayloft, and I don't I don't remember seeing Marty coming out there to help us with that. No, no, on one of those I, uh, ninety-eight degree uh, with. 91% humidity, one of those days, I was like, where's Marty at while we're throwing these bales up there? No, that, that was that was Moose's job that day. It, we, it, was, it, was, it was his time. <laughs> okay. that was, that I don't was... remember him coming out until we were done. <laughs> that's, that's... <laughs> oh, shoot, I, I was late? Oh, yeah, yeah I get that. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was pretty good at that. He was pretty good at that. Oh, so. <laughs> uh, shoot. Uh, the Omaha Metro Basketball Coaches Association will once again be hosting their fall slate of coaches clinics starting on Wednesday, September 22nd at the Union Bank and Trust Basketball S- Facility located at 21015 Cumberland Drive in Elkhorn. Social hour begins at 6 p.m. with speakers starting at 7. Food and drinks will be provided each week, so come out and hear great speakers like this week's speaker, Loyola of Illinois' new men's head basketball coach, Drew Valentine. You can register at the door, so come on out and attend the Omaha Metro Basketball Coaches Association Clinic Series. All right, Dick, we've got the Don Meyer quote of the day. And this is what your team does. I kind of picked this one out on purpose for you. Um, and, and if you want to talk about it a little bit, you know, feel free. But the Don Meyer quote of the day is, Positioning, anticipation, and technique create quickness. Therefore... You can always get quicker. So true. Um, you know, if if you can put a defense and an offense, you know, and I'm talking about uh, in to predictable situations, and you know and that that comes through good scouting. You know, helping kids understand what the other team's trying to do, and uh, our full court press. Uh, Sometimes uh, teams get into some patterns where it's like, you know what, you just got to be ready for this. And, and that anticipation makes your team even quicker. Um, that's, that is so true. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think you can be quick, uh, but if, you, if you're not in a good stance, and I mean, my players tell you, if they had a nickel they ever they heard, if they had a nickel for every time they heard me say the word stance on defense, They'd, they'd be retired at age 21, you know, I mean, because it's just kind of stance, stance, get ready to play, balls at your feet, get ready to attack here. And and just being ready is is going to help you get ready and, and get to the spot that you need to be at, and that's going to help cover up everybody else's mistakes. And, and one of the things I know when I'm watching film, you know, I don't watch so much on-the-ball stuff is I'm watching off the ball. And, if, you know, if I felt like we gave up a bunch of direct drives, okay, I know that we're getting beat on, on the ball, but doggone it, where's that help to force that extra pass instead of giving up that layup or we're getting the foul? You know, what's our stances look like off the ball? And that's technique, and that's something that you just got to hammer on, hammer on, hammer on. Oh, you are you are 100% right there. And, and you know, uh, little things like, did you move on a pass to get in the right position for the next pass? And, um, and, and again, I know you do those things and, uh, but shoot, you got to spend a lot of time on those facets of the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of time on the game, let's talk about a, a typical Mustang practice, your, your practice setup. Um, 
you know, it, it's a battle. It's, you know, your kids are getting after it on a daily basis. They're, they're aggressive. Uh, obviously with the way that you play, you know, 94 by 50, uh, you, you've got to have great practices, uh, to play at the, the speed and the level that you guys play at. So what's, what's a, what's a typical, uh, early January practice look like for, for the Mustangs and how you setting it up, you know, all things, you know, again, I understand that, you know, every season's different and every team is different, but by and large, how's that going to be structured? What are you looking to emphasize? What are some key components that, that you think it's important to have in every practice that you guys do? You know, uh, you know, I'm glad you had the, the time frame of January because, uh, you know, you, you have to build, you know, when I'm going into the season, like right now, if, if the players that are, that are in the top eight or nine right now are the same players in January, we, we, we start tweaking our sets. We tweak our offenses and defenses based on the people that earn those top eight, nine slots. And, uh, so in January, uh, Typical practice, uh, we'll start, um, you know, 325 in the afternoon. Uh, we'll start with the preliminary warm-up work where we do uh, we do some what I call cutter layups. Uh, we do uh, some footwork drills around the basket for all players um, to help us make those A-zone layup-type shots. Uh, we'll do some additional shooting drills just to get them warmed up, and then we go right into our um, zigzag one-on-one zigzag drills uh, into our pressing drills uh, where you know we'll do our full court man-to-man presses and our jump and run presses um, and then if we have to do some scouting on a team where maybe we throw some zone presses at at a certain team uh, we'll start um, getting ready with those um, and that goes about 30 minutes um, and then we'll go into more offensive footwork drills. A lot of times I'll split up post guards after that just to break up the monotony. And um, I really think it's important that we have a fast pace in our practice because we like to play fast. And um, I want kids to feel like practice is only, you know, a half hour, 40 minutes, even though we're going about two hours. Um, I, I want to feel fast for the kids. So if it feels fast for me as a coach. It should feel fast for the kids as well. Um, after that, we'll do our defensive work, our half court defense. Can you hold on um, a second, Dick. Hold on a second. I got yeah. a couple quick questions for you while while I yeah. while we're on that. So you guys are gonna you, you guys are putting in in the first half ish of your practice about thirty minutes on your pressing and running and, and attack game. Did I, did I hear that correctly? Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, and you know the, the beauty of it is we're also working on breaking the press as well. So. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll mix our groups up uh, because of our depth of our program right now. Um, I don't always have our starting five play the, the next five. I, I'll mix and match uh, different lineups because that forces other people to have to uh, become decision makers on the floor. Um, but uh, on the other hand, uh, it, it makes practice go fast. A lot of times, uh, like right now, I think we'll have 18 players out for basketball this year. We'll have three groups of six in different colors, and I'll bring in different different groups throughout those press drills. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're you're really, you know, a lot of people say they want to play fast. A lot of people say they want to press, 
but I, I think what's underestimated is how much you have to commit to that. And, and how important yep. is that commitment to that style in practice that carries over to your competitions? Well, you know, I'm, I think the, the thing that maybe separates us maybe from some others right now, you might have five really good players that you can press with five of them, mm-hmm. but do you have eight, do you have 10, do you have 12? Because, um, like, the, the thing that's challenging is if, if you have a couple kids that aren't so great at the coverage areas in a press, um, you have to tweak your press to account for that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and some coaches lose patience with that. So, um, you know, and I was, I was talking to, to Bill Harmison about this, that he's the Dort head women's coach just, just last week, uh, about that very concept. Like he goes, I got, I got five girls where when I'm going to put them in the game and they're just going to come in and press for two to three minutes. And I'm going to bring my next group, back in my starting group that they will not press so he was talking about some of the strategy that he'd like to employ with his players and I'm like that's perfect because that's what's best for his system um and um you know like when i'm looking at us you know we spent a lot of time to it because there's so many things that the kids have to react to and variables they have to account for um and we just have to keep getting them better that way so we we do spend a lot of time on that phase of the game, which also means you're also working on transition and you're also working on taking care of the basketball. Um, so I, I see that as just a, a win-win for how we're built right now. How, how much of that when you're, when you're establishing that is, is you communicating that or, or explaining and communicating, and how much of that is just like, all right, hey, five-on-five uh, five Indiana drill or whatever the name of the drill is here, and you got, you know, you're going here in 15, 20 seconds, and you've got your your players pointing and talking, and you're telling them to get organized. Again, to kind of make that chaos in practice so that when it's a game and that official is taking 30 seconds to reset the play, it's just like, man, it feels like we're, we're, we're running in sand uh, as far as the pace of the games, you know, that type of thing. You know, and that's where uh, I feel like our program's built to be okay with whatever mm-hmm. um, because uh, with how we use our coaching staff, like I'll, I'll say, uh, Coach Darrell, you're in charge of the red group today. Uh, Coach Larson, you're in charge of the white group, and I'll be in charge of the blue group today. So when one, there's always a group not on, those conversations can happen. But back to your ref situation where maybe the pace isn't, isn't going our way in a game, maybe we want to pick up the pace a little bit. That's where we'll make some adjustments with some of our calls. Like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna run some twelve trap down instead of some twenty one deny, um, and that will help with the pace. Mm-hmm. Or um, teams are gonna have to look at things how they want to break the press a little bit differently, and and so subtle changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can do all those on the fly through hand signals, or um, we have players on the floor that can call out our defenses. So. We, we create situations where it doesn't always have to come from me. Um, I trust our, our leadership. Like last year, I talked about the, the seniors um, could do it. And um, this year, we have another great group of seniors and juniors that mm-hmm. can change things on the fly that can make things tougher for other teams. Yep. Okay, so let's get back to your practice setup here. We, we had the, the rush, and then you're, you're getting back into You're going to do some more footwork stuff. So pick it up from there, Dick. All right, so then uh, after we do some of those shootings, we go into our base defensive drills, and 
Um, if you want to win at an elite level, your half-court defense has to be able to stop people. Um, you, you, it, it's challenging to press everybody because mm-hmm. um, some teams are just built to beat the press, so you have to make adjustments there. So you have to make sure your half-court defense is really solid, and you have to make sure your half-court offense can score um, against formation, size, speed. and um, So that's where drawing up different sets for different situations help. Um, so in January, um, a defensive practice is probably spending time on what other teams like to do um, on offense. Whereas in like November, when practices are just starting, we're going to just go through basic um, offensive maneuvers like a weave out top, pick and roll, um, the cutter offenses, the motions, the flexes. So in, in November, you're kind of going through all those so the kids kind of have a basic idea of what we're going to see throughout the year. Uh, but in January, you have a you have a strong idea of what teams kind of like to do um, with their offenses. So we're putting that in in January. How we want to guard the pick and roll, or how we want to guard um, the high low offense, or the um, the flex offense, and and those types of things that we'll see um, in the the month of January. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after we do that, we'll do some more shooting or uh, a competition drill. Um, some competition drills that we like to run are, you know, we might put, you know, a 30-second game out there or a minute game or a, um, where we have the kids just go head-to-head for a little bit just to break up the monotony of the, the practice. And then uh, we'll do some offensive work where I, I still really believe in a lot of five-on-zero for offensive work um, just so that kids can understand your basic what you want to accomplish on an offense. Uh, so a lot of times before we go to our offensive mode, I'll have each coach work for a group of five or six kids, run through our sets and run through some of our basic offenses so that when we go five on five, um, it's fresh in their mind and then they have to do the counter. So, cause mm-hmm. if I'm calling, if I'm calling a too high set, the defense knows, Hey, it's too high set. This is what they're looking for then what's the counter? How are they going to counter that since the defense knows what's coming? Um, because, you know, when you're Newell Fond and you've been very successful, a lot of our films are all over the state and, and people just kind of pick up to what you kind of do, so you have to be good with your counters. Um, and then we'll always end practice with some competitive shooting drills and free throws. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a basic run-through of what our practice looks like. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think one of the things that has made your teams really hard to beat in March, um, obviously they've been very talented, and you've just like you've said, I mean, you've had great players and and a lot of really good depth and so forth and so on. But your kids just do such a good job of reading the game and playing the game instead of spot to spot and and reading those counters and okay they're playing it like this so i need to slip or i need to curl or whatever it may be and i think that comes through those five on zero reps and then five on zero boom let's jump into a five on five let's teach it real quick okay take a look at it this way next time you know what you see here so forth and so on and then we go from there and i and i know that's kind of the way you guys teach it isn't it dick it is it's exactly and then uh of course i've got um two Phenomenal assistant coaches. They've been with me for a long time. Uh, Coach Darrell's been with me for eight years, and Coach Larson's been with me for uh, well over a decade now. And um, so they know exactly 
and and they're they're talking to kids all the time throughout practice like hey did you read it this way you read this but maybe you should have saw this and uh um having such great assistance just it makes practice go so much smoother well i would say coach darrow is much better than coach larson that's just me i mean that's just <laughs> you know what based on um, my observations you know what? I'll let you tell Coach Larson that face to face the next time you see him, since you know he's a big, burly, six four guy, and um, he could probably just pick you up with his left arm and put you above his head. And uh, well, he's got to catch me though first. You know what? That's that's a good point. Or you'd probably kick him in the knee and take off. I, I get that. Uh, I'm a biter. I'll just you know I'll bite him. You know so. Uh, no, you you do have a great staff. Uh, you know. And, and you've 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 been fortunate enough that that you've had the same staff for an extended period of time. Um, you know how do you how do you delegate to your staff? What are some responsibilities that you feel really comfortable giving your coaches? Uh, does that change from season to season? Um, you know where where are you guys at with that? And and how do you let those really experienced folks that you really trust make your job easier? Well, I think. Uh... Helping, helping them realize what their true strengths are, and um, and and they're they're very transparent with me too. Like they'll they'll tell me like, hey, um, we probably need to spend a little more time doing this or that, and mm-hmm. um, and I appreciate that. Or on game night, I get and and we all know this as a coach, you get fixated on something or an emotion during the game or gosh, blah, 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 and, and you need your assistant coaches to be able to help level that off. Well, you're really focused on this, but you know what? This is probably another contributing factor, or, um, you know, maybe it's someone's turnovers or someone, you know, maybe not hustling as much where they're like, no, actually, they got hung up because um, they slipped on a spot down here. Or, mm-hmm. You know, you just really need your um, assistant coaches to put put their eyes on the game and, and you don't want to be exactly the same as how you're looking at it because it, that's what broadens your perspective. Um, I love going through game tape after a game um, to see if I was really right about some of my perspectives during the game. And, and, and we both know that sometimes what, what happened in a game, you were so heightened, you missed some other things. Yep. And, uh, and that's where your assistant coaches can be so strong. And um, so I do, I do delegate um, different things for them to look at throughout the game so that um, we can have, you know, the best information to help make adjustments, especially towards the end of a tight game. Yeah. When you and, and Larson watch film together after a game, uh, is it pretty steady that you're, you're kind of looking for the same things? Or does it kind of, hey, you know, against Pocahontas, let's say, uh, we, we, you know, we need to really move these these three kids off the line and that's what we're really looking at afterwards or you know is it kind of a combination of both well it, it's it's kind of interesting because the first thing we'll do is we'll stat out the game mm-hmm. um you know we'll, we'll, we always do the stats and i think you know I, I know there's programs out there huddle is offering to do that for you but i find great value in us doing that because it makes you really look at the game from that perspective and then when we finish we'll watch it again um trying to pick up like what you're talking about like oh gosh um Pocahontas made this adjustment in this formation um and we probably didn't handle it as good as we needed to or we need to follow the ball this direction because um this kid was 
beating us on on a certain penetration move that they were using. And so we'll, we'll talk about those things um, and, you know, we'll spot those out. So that, that's a great point that you bring up there. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, you know, in practice, let's say we talked about our, our typical Janu- early January practice. What are the things that, like, uh, your, your two assistant coaches are, are looking at in practice pretty con- on a pretty consistent basis? Like, these are the two or three things that, that, that Kevin does, and this is two or three things that Coach Darrell does. You know, what, what are they looking at on a pretty consistent, you know, basis? You know, first of all and foremost, um, effort, attitude is something we're always aware of. Like, hey – um, so-and-so was kind of not on our A game with attitude tonight. So th- that just clues me in, like, okay, was I seeing that? Did I miss that? Um, sometimes as a head coach, you might misinterpret a situation. Maybe someone was crabby because they just took an elbow in the nose, but they played through it, and you see them um, kind of pissy on the floor. So, like, you, you need some of that. But, um, you know, the big thing, uh, Coach, Coach Daryl, she works with a lot of our shooters. Um, the footwork and uh, perfecting the form coming off screens, how that should look. And uh, Coach Larson does a lot of our post player work on, you know, sealing, how to defend the seal, how to offensively um, score against this this move or that move. Um, meanwhile, I might be working with the, the guards on uh, how to, you know, maneuver around a, a double team or a mm-hmm. trap and, uh, so we, we all have our different areas, but when we bring it all together, when we're all just watching the kids do their thing, um, we're really dialed into effort and then um, execution of what we want um, from our players to make sure that we keep moving forward. Yep, yep. Um, you guys are also, along with your, your scheme and your pressure and the pace that you guys play at, uh, you guys – have a lot of kids that shoot the ball really really well uh you know what have you guys done to really emphasize shooting within your program to uh to build those players up to be confident shooters to have them actually execute and knock down those shots uh how much time do you guys spend on shooting and and just developing those shooters what are some things that you guys maybe do in the summertime to to get those off-season reps in uh, so that, you know, most of the time you've got four or five, you know, probably a minimum of three, sometimes four. And every once in a while, you got five kids on the floor that that are a legitimate threat from the three point line. You know, I think I think first and foremost, um, we we do a, a great job of, with offensive rebounding. So it, it may look like, you know, we're shooting the ball at a better percentage, but our, our shooting percentage um you know, from the three-point lines, somewhere between usually 28 and 32%. But when you get an offensive rebound, um, it just jumps a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you, you miss a three, but you get an offensive rebound, kick it out. Well, that's an inside-out look, and that just seems to be a better rhythm. So mm-hmm. um, being good at that, and of course, being athletic really helps offensive rebounding. Um, but we do we do spend time on the, the shootaways, uh, the, the guns. Um, we spend some time with those to um, get some extra shots up with that so you get a lot of continuous reps. Um, we do a lot of shooting off screen drills. Uh, we do a lot of, 
you know, penetration, pull-up jumpers, those types of things that really key in on the shots. But I think um, what happens in a lot of games is we end up with a lot more possessions because we force a lot of, a lot of extra turnovers. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the perception is we shoot the ball really well, and, uh, and when you create, you know, when you force a team into 25, uh, sometimes 30 turnovers, that's 25 or 30 extra possessions where we get a chance to knock another bucket down. Yeah. So, well, and then and then creating that by aggressively attacking the glass too, and that's just you know it's it's just it just becomes an an analytical type of thing, you know, don't you think? It does um, very much so, and um, and like we we've, we've just got kids that just have a really strong knack for the basketball, you know, when it when it comes, you know, shoot. I, I've had a couple kids that I, I hate to use this analogy, but like comparisons to a Dennis Rodman type of player like they just seem like they just go get rebounds and kick it out and create extra offensive opportunities so so like yeah when you get offense rebounds and you force turnovers and get some extra shots there there's there's nights where we might get 35 more shots than the other team and um that that's a tremendous advantage Mm -hmm. on game night yeah well and that's just again that's just simple analytics the more the more bites at the apple that you get, you know, you're you're going to do better. I mean, it's just it's just the game is simple in that regard. So, um, what are what are let, let's finish on this here, Dick. What are what are two or three really good shooting drills that you like to use with your with your shoot away or your your shooting machines or something like that? What are some things that you guys would that do with that that you really think helps develop your shooters? You know, I think first of all. Um, you do need someone to help focus on good form, good footwork. Um, I do a lot of left-right drills or right-left drills to get rhythm on a shot. So, you know, depending on where that pass is coming from, we, we train kids on the proper footwork to come around a screen or um, even, even in a, in a transition-type situation, how to get your feet set quick um, and get good rhythm on the shot. And we both know... When, you know, it's amazing, like, your shooting percentage, if you track this throughout the year, on a ball reversal um, for a shot versus just a jack one up, um, your shooting percentage just seems to be better Mm -hmm. when you get a ball reversal or a skip pass um, where you shift the defense. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we do a lot of drills on creating that rhythm on on those types of situations so um, we do a couple different drills on that um, probably nothing different than what anybody else does you know some of it's just um, I do some two pass three-point shooting where the shooter shoots the ball the rebounder gets it kicks it out um, and then the next person's ready to shoot and um, just to get that rhythm and that work on that extra pass and rhythm um, we do uh, a lot of transition three type shooting where it's kind of like a three man weave, but you do different things out of that three man weave to create the types of shots that we want in games and just to help teach kids rhythm and how to be ready for that pass when it comes to you. Mm-hmm. And when kids master that, it just seems like their three point percentage goes up. Mm-hmm. Well, and then that can open up the, uh, the dribble drive game. 
you know. Yeah. And, and and I think it's it's easier for most kids at their athletic level, not all, but most kids, uh, if you can become a great shooter, that will make your average at best dribble drive game look that much better because you got teams closing out on you so hard that you give that shot fake and then it's just one or two hard dribbles to get to the glass and and now you've got them on that rotation. And it's not that because it's not because you're a great athlete or that you're just this whiz with the ball, but if you can become that great shooter, that changes the geometry of the entire floor. And and you, you know, you 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 get that close out, you give that shot fake, you give that one hard dribble, but now you got them in the spin cycle, even if that help does come, it's one one more to one more and, and now somebody else has that wide open look. Yeah, and um, I think you just nailed it on the head there because um, great shooters, you don't have to be you know, a, a D1 athlete to be a great shooter. You just got to put some time in the gym. And, and you're right, when you, when you put a great shooter on the floor, defenses have to adjust to that because um, it's demoralizing when someone comes in and not only hits one three, two threes, and you know, three threes and a few short possessions, all of a sudden the game just got changed because mm-hmm. they put a sharpshooter on the floor. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? I'm going to end on being exactly right because that doesn't happen in my life very often, Dick. So, uh, well, you know what? You got to just take advantage of that then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Dick Jungers, my, my, my good friend, uh, my childhood friend and just so proud of all your accomplishments and uh, you know, we've taken a lot of things in our program and, and kind of, you know, taking a look at what you've done and, and implemented some of those things as, as we've adjusted to this, to this next go around here. And uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just so happy for all your accomplishments. Uh, a lot of people would, would not be as humble as you are uh, with what they've done in their career. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just really proud of you and, and just keep that thing rolling up there, man. Well, and I'm really proud of you too, man. This uh, pen and napkin is, is, just going off like crazy and uh and you know what i'm i'm happy that you're back doing the things that you love to do and um i'm think for for calhoun's just so lucky to have you and uh, i'm sure you're gonna do some wonderful and great things there well i i probably have some kids this week who have to take a test who might not be as happy to have me there uh but, <laughs> but. but you know what it's history if it's a history test they should love it because i love history and all the things that go with that, but that's probably another conversation for another day. Uh, well, we don't want to bore too many, you know, like we, if, if they're still with us at this point, you know, 78 minutes in, uh, hey, congratulations. But uh, we won't get into uh, the Teddy Roosevelt presidency and square dealing and, and all of that fun <laughs> stuff that we're going to be covering <laughs> later on this week. So history dorks unite. Here we are. Yes. So that's right. Let's, let's, uh, keep making this country get a little bit better yeah we're we're trying we're trying so uh dick any social media for your program or your school um again just a lot of success a lot of different things anything you want to plug or if anybody wants to reach out to you after this how will they get a hold of you you know what uh, um anybody that wants to send a text to uh 712-661-8968 um that's my cell phone number i'd be more than happy to talk basketball with anybody um, email jungersd at newell hyphen fonda 
.k12.ia.us, shoot me an email or shoot me a text. And um, I love talking basketball with coaches. And, um, and you know, I've, I've had, Marty, through uh, your, your podcast here, I've had several people reach out and um, have conversations, and, and, and I love it. And mm-hmm. I just want to help people get better at the game. And um, I by no means have all the answers or things. I've just been very blessed to be in a – a situation that's perfect for my skill set. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think uh, you've you found your you found your home, you found your niche, and you you've just taken it and run with it, and uh, you're building something really really special there, something that people are going to be talking about for a long time. So, you know, I'm I'm just like I said, I'm just proud of you, and uh, I know you know we've we've been through a, a, a few things, especially in the last year or so. Uh, with uh, with Moose passing away and, and things like that. And it was just, uh, I, I think one of the things, and this kind of plays into coaching as well, just that camaraderie of, you know, uh, being together and and we're, we're all here for the same reasons. We want to make kids better. And, yeah, we want to win, but we also want to teach the game and teach life lessons. And, uh, you know, one of the beautiful things that came out of, of Randy's funeral was just uh, the the – the afterwards going out to Rex and Rita's and, and having so many of our classmates out there and, and paying their respects to Randy and, and his family and all that other stuff. And, and just that, that camaraderie and that's what you want to build. And, and that takes effort. That takes, that takes a lot of effort. That takes a lot of time. That takes a lot of loyalty. And, and you, you know, that camaraderie is just really special. And that, that camaraderie in the coaching community that people are willing to reach out to you, whether it's through this or any other channel, you know, that's just what it's all about. Just building people up and, and trying to make them the, the best, the best additions of, of them that they can be, you know, so. You know, and, and, you know, there was a lot of misfortune with, you know, Moose's passing, you know, but I, I, I liken it to the Sandlot, the movie, the Sandlot. Um, we, uh, had a group of us that always hung out. We always played ball. We played football. We played mm-hmm. um, street ball. We played basketball yep. um, throughout the year. And um, we just lost one of our Sandlot buddies. And uh, um, and that hurt. But it also taught us some valuable lessons on how, how much you have to just appreciate all the people that helped build you up in mm-hmm. your, you know, in our short existence here. Uh, and so many wonderful memories uh, growing up and, um, you know, the number of times we played basketball at Archer gym oh, or we, geez. we went to yeah. someone's yard and played football or yeah. played some slow pitch softball and yeah. all that good stuff. And, um, and it just, it's just a, a healthy reminder that, you know what, as you go through life, appreciate all the wonderful blessings around you. And, um, and you know, Marty, you're one of the wonderful blessings in my life. And, um, and I've got numerous, numerous other wonderful blessings just like you do. And, yep. Um, you just enjoy, enjoy the process. Yep. And the thing is with all those backyard football games and basketball games, we only had to call the ambulance like twice. <laughs> only two times and <laughs> both of them were, were, were justifiably, uh, <laughs> needed. And, uh, um, <laughs> you know, just like, uh, all the times, uh, we were cruising the loop and, um, Sometimes yeah. chaos would break out, whether it was a fire extinguisher, a water fight, or yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just, just some just some good wholesome um, small town small fun, town Iowa family fun, right there. Yeah, well, I think the statutes of limitations have passed for for most of those uh, uh, actions. I would hope at this point. So, 
Yeah, uh, I, I don't remember anything else other than the, just the <laughs> the few water fights, right? Right. Uh, that's 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 simply it was just uh, we were we were rehydrating the lawns in Northwest Iowa. That's all we were doing. That's yes. all we were doing. Yes, absolutely. A- absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, hold the line here a second, Dick, and and we'll wrap things up. So, uh, Dick Jungers, head girls basketball coach at Newell Fonda High School in in Newell, Iowa, or is the school in Newell or Fonda? I can't remember. It's in Newell. It's actually in Newell, Iowa. It's in Newell, Iowa. Yep. So it is in Newell, Iowa. There it is, Newell, Iowa, USA. Uh, but we want to thank Coach for being on here uh, again. We want to thank our founding sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic. We want to thank our sponsor, the Omaha Metro Basketball Coaches Association. Uh, again, get uh, get out if you're in the Omaha Council Bluffs area. Get out uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Drew Valentine, the new head men's basketball coach at Loyola of Chicago. Uh, stepping into some big shoes for Porter Mosier, uh, but he'll be out there uh, this Wednesday night. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.